Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the opportunity to sit down and uh, for a special Christmas episode. And I wanted to put something together special for our listeners, and I thought, what uh, a better way that we could do than to have some Christmas stories from around the world. So I contacted the AGWM executive leadership team and asked them if they would consider um, submitting stories of, of their time on the field or maybe some memories and uh, it was phenomenal you get to hear some stories uh, some funny stories some serious stories some challenging stories uh, all revolving around Christmas just to put a little bit of joy um, in our hearts and lives I know this time of year as we serve on the field sometimes being away from family being away from um, what we are used to at Christmas can can be challenging and I just hope in some way that this will encourage you wherever you are around the world. And um, some great stories and some great, um, just some fun times. And um, I know you'll love it, enjoy it. I want to wish you a, a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year as we um, look to 2021. And uh, thank you once again for uh, listening to the podcast and, and being a part and encouraging. And I hope it's been encouraging, encouraging to you as we move towards the new year. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings, everybody. Uh, this is Greg and Sandy Mundus, and we want to share our story of Christmas, our first year in Austria, 1980. Yeah, it was at Christmas, of course, that we will never forget for many reasons, but specifically for um, a cultural experience uh, that introduced us to the inner parts of the thinking of people in Austria. We landed in March, early April of 1980, and we celebrated our first uh, Christmas that year in the city, just outside the city of Salzburg in a little village called Hendorf. Now, Hendorf had a band in it that was 300 years old. Okay, so tradition and everything else is very big there. Hendorf actually meant chicken village. So that just gives you a hint of our environment we were living in. <laughs> it was a very Catholic village and uh, it was filled with, like I said, all kinds of traditions. So one that we would like to talk to you about is the Krampus, K-R-A-M-P-U-S. Yes, and um, what we didn't know, uh, because our language was not developed very well by that point, uh, and so we didn't understand everything yet. That is the German language. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were German able to communicate language. in English, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, German language. And then you can relate to your first year learning a language, right? Um, so anyway, our children were young. We, our, our daughter was five and our son was um, two and a half, almost three. And uh, so we had made friends with a German or the Austrian couple who lived in the apartment below us. They had two boys, same ages as our kids. And our little guy, Greg Jr., um, made, became best friends with his little neighbor friend. His name was Rene. Rene. And unfortunately, Rene was, uh, according to his parents, was a disobedient wild child. And so um, that was the beginning of, of the, 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 the experience that our son to this day will never forget. And... Uh... The, give you the background, in Austria, they celebrate St. Nicholas Day on December the 6th, okay? Mm -hmm. So, but what we didn't know is that they, they have uh, the day of the Krampus on December 5th. Now, as you know, Nicholas would represent the good things. The Krampus was a manifestation of a demon or a mm -hmm. devil. And I'll let Sandy tell how they dress up. 
Well, they, they dress up like a demon, uh, only the, the horrible part is uh, they, they're allowed to carry whips in their hands, and a lot of them have steel ends on them, so uh, if they touch you, you could be you could be bruised. Well, the thing is, is uh, they can get licenses yes. to be Krampus and roam the streets. It's the one day in the year that you can go to the government of your, your principality uh, or, or community, and you can get a little license that says you can be a Krampus that day, uh, which means that you can dress up like this demon, really ugly, very creepy, hold these whips in your hand, and you can roam the streets, and you can hit people uh, with your whips, and it's allowed. And uh, so it's sort of like running for your life the whole day long. Well, we didn't know that our very first year. And um, so- On that on that day, December yes. the 5th, our daughter Holly, the older yes. one, wanted to go out to the store and we didn't, well, we, we didn't know Well, we, we lived like, right, like we could see the distance <laughs> yeah, to we the could, little place yeah, that we she could was walk going. Right. Less than a hundred meters. Right, less than hundred meters. And she would go get her whatever she would retreat for the day. And we'd watch her go there and we'd watch her come back. And in just that little tiny space, that little tiny uh, few feet, a Krampus, uh, probably a 12-year-old Krampus, jumped out of the little bushes and beat her <laughs> with that stick. And she came running. So we're running out to get her, thinking, <laughs> what on earth is happening here? And this little devil-looking kid, we thought, it would, we really almost wondered, is he a manifestation of a, of a demon in a country? Which he, he was, but anyway, he hit her. And he, he, she did have her coat on, of course, because it was December 5th. But she had some welts on her legs where she had her pants, you know, where her pants were. But the story goes on. Yes. So a little bit later, we, <laughs> our son is looking out the window because this whole Krampus thing really well, it, it interested was, It was the night now. And, right. Um, she, our son was very devastated by what happened to his sister. He saw the whole thing. It was, they both cried the rest of the day about it. So we looked it up, we called our friends, and we understood, oh my gosh, we didn't know there was such a day, nobody warned us. Um, so we began seeing lots of other Krampuses running around the little, the little area around our house. So, so Greg Jr. looks out the window, sees one coming, and thinks it's coming after him, because <laughs> he has a guilty conscience. Oh, he's in the house. He's in the house, sure, but yeah. it's coming after but him. What we found out from our neighbors was that you can order, as a parent, you can order a Krampus, to come to your house to beat up your bad child. Beat up is, well, we have to be a little careful Well, beat, there, well you know, whip, whip, whip. Right. Give him a speck, Mike, yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> Greg Jr. starts confessing all of his sins. <laughs> and then downstairs, we hear little Renee, ah! <laughs> so the, the parents of Renee called in and ordered a Krampus to come. And this is the sad part, to spank Renee, but the older brother, didn't get anything. It was he was supposedly a good boy, so he didn't get punishment. But poor little Rene did. Well, that was that was that scarred. Traumatic, that yeah. was so traumatic. It's, it's still scarred our son's heart to this day when he thinks of that incident. What a way to learn repentance. <laughs> Amen. Anyhow, anyhow, that's our story. Uh, we learned, uh, you know, it's one of those things on cultural things that, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, so, sometimes even the locals fail to tell you. <laughs> so. Our kids learned a lesson, we learned a lesson, and we pray for any uh, new candidates coming out there. Yeah. And go ahead and look, if you want to, you can look up yeah. Krampus, and you can see what he looks like. Yeah, and it's his really behind. disgusting. Yeah, it's really disgusting. This is a civilized country, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, we think so. But, but the opposite of Santa Claus, huh? Yeah, yeah there you exactly. go. Opposite of Santa Claus. Yeah.
that's the good and the bad, right? Wow. That's it. Thanks, Thank Aaron, for having Thank us. you so much. Yes, nice talking to you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Frohe Weihnachten. <laughs> Joanne Beatron. I'm the Director of International Ministries for EG World Missions. My first assignment in my missions career, way, way back when, uh, was to what was then called Zaire, Africa, now called Democratic Republic of Congo. I lived in a fairly remote uh, part of Congo, and um, we didn't have a lot of people coming and going. It was a pretty isolated life, a pretty isolated area. And one of the things that we missed a lot was being able to get fresh meat because it was not an area that was conducive to raising cattle. And so uh, there were some goats around and occasionally we would get some goat meat, but uh, beef and cattle just did not exist where we lived. So uh, it was coming up to Christmas time and um, we were thinking that we would have Christmas with one of our smaller local churches uh, in a little bit of a rural part of where we were and that we would provide some chickens, which was the normal um, thing that the Africans ate because they didn't have meat. And uh, the chickens were pretty scrawny and tough, but they managed to cook them pretty well. So we, our plan was buy a bunch of chickens and then have a Christmas feast with a local church that we were going to speak at and, and attend Christmas Day with. Well, um, Christmas Eve, we were um, feeling kind of lonely, you know, far, far from home and family. And uh, it was just myself and my coworker and, we were kind of doing things about memories of Christmases back at home and really missing our families and feeling kind of sad. And, and uh, about 10 o'clock that night, uh, there came a, a little bell ring. We had a bell that people would get our attention. And so we went outside and there stood a couple of uh, Congolese soldiers with a whole leg of a buffalo on their shoulders. And they said that the general, who was a friend of ours, a Congolese general, had been out hunting in the bush far away, and he wanted us to have this leg of buffalo. Well, we couldn't believe it. They carried it on in and put it out on our front stoop, and it had a little bit of a smell to it because it had been on the road for days. Uh, but there it was. And so first thing in the morning, we called in one of our helpers and told him to bring a machete and, and, and ask him to look, is this meat okay? And is it too spoiled to eat? And he said, oh no, you know, we'll just, we'll cut off the bad stuff and um, we'll, we'll get, this will be wonderful. So we were able to take a huge chunk of that um that leg of buffalo and send it on out Christmas morning to the church that we were going to be at. We had enough to feed a hundred people that we'd be gathering there. Then we called in all of our workers that worked around uh, with us, our, our nurses, our, our house help, and we were able to give them all a big roast of meat. Well, it was like the best Christmas gift 
we could have ever given anyone, including ourselves, because we were certainly looking forward to, to eating it too. But you know, so many times we've just looked back at that story and thought, Christmas Eve, how wonderful of the Lord to bless us and so many others with the gift that we would never have thought we could have received. So that is one of my wonderful Christmas memories of the Lord's provision for so many of us on the special day of Christmas. Well, hello, Africa. We're Dave and Carol Ellis, and uh, we're wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. Uh, Aaron and Heather have asked us to just say something about what Christmas is like in our part of the world. Uh, I'm a missionary kid that grew up in Argentina, and our family uh, spent 25 years there serving uh, in that country. And like a lot of your countries on your continent, uh, our country uh, of Argentina was south of the equator, so it was, it was always uh, a time to go to the swimming pool. Uh, so a barbecue, uh, maybe in the evening, and uh, during the afternoon, some sandwiches, and, um, and going somewhere to find a pool or a beach because of the hot weather. But those are some of the things that, um, that I remember growing up and then uh, our family being raised there. And coming from up north, Washington State, um, could be cool winters, but usually cold, usually rainy. Definitely not the warm, sunny weathers that you have in the Southern Hemisphere. And I know all of Africa is not necessarily in the Southern Hemisphere, but enjoy it, embrace it. I know to this day, we are up north now in the Northern Hemisphere. To this day, I do miss those Southern Hemisphere Christmases. I guess try to take the best of both. I know some many days it was too hot to cook before Christmas. And so I would grab whatever slightly cool, cloudy day there was and maybe cut down on the recipes, bake what I could with what I could find in country. Usually it wasn't the same smorgasbord type thing you would have, but take advantage of it, embrace it. Feliz Navidad, Africa House. We also, um uh, it was common the 24th is when people, uh, well, on the 31st of December, but on the 24th as well, uh, it would sound like a war zone because of all the fireworks and so forth. Everyone was doing it and, uh, and very, very typical in Argentina. People tend to eat late, especially in the summertime, so having a meal at midnight and uh, you could just drop in on every friend and neighbor uh, you knew and enjoy a meal with them, uh, or you could call. You could get phone calls into the wee hours of the morning because people were getting ready for uh, spending uh, Christmas together and, and contacting friends. And the final thing I'd say, I remember especially when I was growing up, but uh, even when we served there as a family, uh, the 6th of January, the day of the wise men, that's when kids would take their shoes and place them at the, at the end of the bed on the floor. And when they'd wake up in the morning, um, the wise men had left little gifts around their shoes, and that traditionally was part of the Christmas experience in uh, Argentina. But like Carol said in Spanish, we wish you all a very Feliz Navidad. 
wherever you are. And thanks for us. Uh, thanks for allowing us to share with you a little bit of Christmas in Latin America. Ciao. This is Andy and Nancy Rotz. We've been missionaries since 2002. Went to Moldova and then Russia and then back here serving in our leadership right now. When we arrived in Moldova, our girls were just one, three, and seven. And Nancy's got some story from about Christmas, our time in Moldova. Yeah, and really my story is about um, just traditions that we took with us. Um, You know... Missions is a life of transition. You're overseas and you're somewhere else. You might come back for a Christmas because there's a World Mission Summit or or something else and and um, back and forth. And so, you know, how do you establish um, rituals with your family and with your kids? And so, you know, we packed stockings that my mom made Christmas stockings for the girls and we packed those stockings and and took them with us we um, packed a few little things but mostly we you know bought things when we were over there but the traditions that we could do were um, Swedish tea ring my my um, mom always made that my dad had grown up eating that his Swedish mother made that and so that recipe that idea was passed down and we um, we would do that too, and so Christmas morning, that was part of it. Christmas, um, Christmas Eve was always pajamas for the girls, and even today they pretend like they're surprised that they get pajamas on Christmas Eve. But then Christmas morning, we get up and and um, we established with the kids a very at a very young age that stockings had little Santa presents that they would open up and. And they would, they would get up and they would open those and then we would get together and we just would all sit on the floor and we still all sit on the floor together and we open presents, one person at a time, the youngest to the oldest. Each person opens a present and we look and we watch what they're doing. And while we do that, we'll eat some Swedish tea ring. We don't really have anything else that's, it's kind of like a cinnamon roll in a, in a circle and, um, or in a wreath. And... We eat that and we talk, and before that, we read the Christmas story. Um, One year, the girls had memorized the Christmas story, so that year they quoted it. You know, we just do different things, but what we do is we bring those things in that bring us back, and they bring us back together. And so when we gather, the girls know we've been doing this, we've been doing it the same way, and they want to do that. And so they were little when we went overseas, now they're all adult women, but still, when we come together, they say, hey, wait, we have to read the Christmas story, and no, we can't open presents until the morning, and and it, it's just those rituals, and, and the rituals, the traditions, those are the things that establish home. It doesn't matter if we're in Moldova, which house we we're in, which apartment we we're in Moldova, um, when we moved to Russia. Um, In Russia, we started after we would eat our Christmas meal. It would be cold out, very cold. We bundled up, and we would go for a walk. And by the time we went out to walk, you know, the sun had gone down at about 4 o'clock, 
and we would go walk and it was snowy and it was cold and it was beautiful but we were bundled up and we love that and we have great memories of that um of walks out you know just walking off the christmas meal and um those are the things i think that ground us and they settled us as a family and um it wasn't so much the presents that were opened but it was the time that was together it was the family it was um being together and and there were times that we went to other places we were at andy's parents or or um my parents or my sister's home and they didn't always have other people there but but we would do our same tradition with our girls no matter where we were and um we love that and it that was a grounding and it's just a great part that christmas is a family time a time for us together that we come together and enjoy the time and so we love that andy got any more thoughts on that no so no matter where you're at merry christmas and have a wonderful holiday of years it was probably our second Christmas in Spain. We didn't have a lot of money uh, to buy the kids a lot of presents. Prices were very expensive for a lot of things at that time. One of my very close friends decided she was gonna come and be with us for Christmas. She made her first ever trip overseas and uh, we all got together, went downtown, and bought what we used to laughably call a Christmas bush. Because in Spain, during those years, uh, there weren't very many Christmas trees that were very, very big, and they really just looked like a bush. So we took that thing home, and we put it up on boxes in the corner of our town home. And the kids decorated it with all the decorations that our friend Aunt Joan had brought and things that we had. And uh, we lit it and we sat down to eat dinner. And as we were lifting our heads from uh, Paul saying grace, we heard crash. And we looked over and there was our Christmas bush <laughs> all decorated, toppled all over the floor. <laughs> We got it put back up, and uh, Christmas morning came, and to our surprise, we came downstairs with our children, and our good friend Joan, who was a single woman with not a lot of means, had literally brought so many gifts, we could not see our living room floor, and um, our kids were so excited. What a blessing to have a friend come during a time of need in my life when I was missing family, missing home. But she brought a piece of that with her, and the Lord gave us so much laughter that week. So I wish you all a wonderful Christmas and a lot of joy. 
Hey, this is Jeff and Liz Hartensfeld, uh, Regional Directors for Asia Pacific. And uh, yeah, this is great. Thrilled to have a chance to address the missionary body and talk a little bit about Christmas this year and especially just some of the crazy things that are going on and uh, probably be a little bit different. But um, I think, you know, Liz will probably talk a little bit about some of the family side of things. And uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about the ministry side of things that we used to have uh, Christmas, for those of you that don't know, um, we didn't start out as regional directors. <laughs> uh, we served 23 years in Indonesia and uh, actually had very few furloughs. Matter of fact, when we came home in 2012, it had been seven years since we had celebrated a Christmas in America. So we, we had very few furloughs because we were pastoring churches. And um, as a result of that, um, Christmas was mainly in this majority Muslim country where we served for so long. So, um, Liz, why don't you give a couple words of greeting and then maybe talk a little bit about uh, Christmas. So it's Christmas has always been one of those times when you um, look at your surroundings. And I always think about the days that we were in Indonesia and uh, coming from central Pennsylvania, I grew up in Happy Valley they call it State College, Pennsylvania. And Christmas was always a time that you would spend with family and looking forward to those times together and decorating your home and bringing all of that um, together for the season. And as a newly married couple, we left and went to Indonesia with two suitcases each. So four altogether, maybe six, sorry. Might've been six, but we didn't really have Christmas decorations with us and we didn't think we didn't even think to bring those kinds of things because we were still newly married and hadn't really had anything major to keep so we went empty-handed and when it came to Christmas those very first years I remember um, just having these thoughts and feelings of being so far away from family and what are we gonna do and what's Christmas gonna look like and um, what simplicity really, really meant during those days. And I think some of the memories that I have from our very, very first Christmases in Indonesia was finding a, a little set of white bells that I hung on something that we called a Christmas tree, but I think it was like two feet tall and someone had probably given it to me and these little bells went from that Christmas tree to the very little Christmas tree that I've put up in my house, even here today. And I think for me, it's a memory of simplicity and knowing that Christmas is all about Christ and how he has, he makes that um, celebration so much more important. And through the years, finding those moments within our communities in Indonesia to celebrate Christ and to use the Christmas spirit, uh, the Christmas holiday as a time of uh, introducing Christ to so many people. And, and truly, if I have a takeaway from Indonesia and being in ministry there that I think I probably learned this more from the Indonesian church than I did actually from my, my um, experience being in America was how important it was to use that Christmas holiday season as a time to bless people in need, but also people who don't know Christ. And so uh, 
every Christmas we spent was spent with unbelievers in Indonesia. Yeah, and this is a good chance for me maybe to segue a little bit into some of the ministry things that um, were involved in Christmas. You know, I, I agree with what Liz said about, I don't think I learned, I don't think the spiritual significance of Christmas hit me until I was overseas. In America, Christmas is a family holiday. In places like Indonesia and in many of the places where you're serving, if you're listening to this podcast, it's a Christian holiday and there's a big difference. And so, you know, if you came from a Buddhist background, Lunar New Year was like your big family holiday. If you were from a Muslim background, Idul Fitri uh, was the big Muslim, you know, was the big family holiday. All families would get together. So, you know, it was kind of funny. You know, it, for us, as, as Liz said, it was spent with unbelievers, but also our believers, our friends, because they were like, no, I want to spend Christmas with you, Pastor Jeff and Liz. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, we want family time. They're like, oh, no, this is not a family <laughs> holiday. So it was like, you know, if we wanted Christmas time, sometimes we actually had to hide out because, you know, we had this steady flow of visitors. And that's not to say... Negative. Let me just talk just briefly of the impact on the kids, you know, um, because we had so few holidays in America. I remember getting home in 2012 and it's like, we've got to spend Christmas with our families, you know. And um, after it was over, we had a wonderful time with them. We absolutely love our families, but we were kind of coming home with our kids and they were, you know, older teenagers at that point, but kind of quiet silence. And they're like, can we just spend Christmas alone next year? You know, like, can we, like just our family and then our Christian family. And so um, the, the other thing I would say is on a family note, if I can kind of segue back to family, uh, I think we build it up in our minds a lot too. I, I think we, we've got this preconceived idea of what Christmas with our families was like in America. And then we, we go through a series of Christmases without them. And we, we kind of remember all the good, but forget all the dysfunction maybe and all the things that go on with the presence and the focus on materialism. Um, the Christmases that you are having with your family overseas, the Christmases you are having with your Christian family overseas, the Christmases you're having to reach unbelievers overseas are a gift that not everybody will have. I know we're lonely. I know we miss people back home, but I want you to know that you need to see these opportunities in these Christmases as gifts from the Lord. And Christmas was a time where many people came to Christ. Yeah. Talk, I know you were about to say something, Liz, so go ahead and, and, and just add to that. I, I, Christmas has just taken on so many different um, experiences throughout the years. And, it, you know, for I think even though we were in a Muslim country, it still was one of the busiest seasons because we did try to really make it an outreach-focused <clears throat> yeah. time when we could bring Christ. And um, we had um, taken on the, the challenge to make Christmas cookies for over 1,300 people. And so I remember making up batches and batches of Christmas cookie dough and passing it out to different people around the city who had ovens because not everybody has an oven. And in my home, I had invited four or five of my church members to come to help me. 
and they brought with them their Muslim helpers. Hmm. And I remember sitting around the table, it was a round table, and we were making these cookies, and these Muslim helpers were, were asking about the cookies, and what are we going to do with them, and why are we making so many? And um, so I shared with them the story of Christmas, and I invited them to come to our church, even though um, it was an English-speaking fellowship. They were very interested to come because everyone in Indonesia wants to learn English. And so um, they ended up coming, and they also ended up coming to know the Lord. Mm. And they they actually um, ended up finding a church in their neighborhood where they would go and worship in Indonesian. But I think that bridge into my home, sitting around the table, standing actually around the table, making these cookies, was an opportunity for me to share the gospel with them. And I can't tell you how many times I did that. That cookie baking session happened over and over and over again. And it sounded like a really um, crazy way, but yet it was a very practical way to have time together with unbelievers and do something that would segue into me being able to share with them. Yeah, maybe just one final thought, um, a word to our folks serving all over the world. Um, you know, just I, I started reading Matthew in my devotions and um, kind of went through, I'm going to probably jump over into Luke. I'm going to try to pull out a bunch of Christmas verses and then maybe do it my own little advent, you know, and post them on, on Facebook. And if you're listening and sometimes some of you, you know, follow me, you'll see those. But um, boy, the Christmas story was about a family who was not at home. You know, the first Christmas was in Bethlehem. Right after the birth, you know, um, they probably stayed, it seems like they stayed a while in, in Bethlehem there. And then they became refugees in a foreign country. Boy, don't we have that problem all over the world? You know, they, they went as, as illegal or maybe, would, maybe who knows what the alien situation was then, but they were Jewish aliens living in Egypt. I, I once posted, I said, my, <laughs> my savior was a refugee, <laughs> you know, escaping the threat of death, you know. Um, that was the Christmas story of the birth of our savior. You know, let's, let's reflect on that. Let's spend some time thinking about that. Thinking about the people we serve and the people that are all around us, around the world. And um, I, I do want you to know that, um, especially Asia Pacific you know, folks who might be listening here, um, Liz and I do pray for you. We pray for you regularly. Um, in my years in mobilization, I got to know others of you who still send me your newsletters. And I want you to know that when I get those newsletters and things, we do pray for you as well. But um, just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and just uh, many, many blessings in the days to come. So, and as, as I end my part and just want to share with you the verse that the Lord has put on my heart for this year, it's from Matthew 12, 21, and it says, and his name will be the hope of all the world. And I believe that during this time of pandemic, the hope that we can offer people is a hope in Christ and his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence that fills our lives each and every day. So I'm really standing on that first this year as you know, we've gone through so many different things with the pandemic and hoping that Christ will come and make his home in our hearts each and every day. Okay. 
Merry Christmas and God bless you guys. Hey everybody, this is Greg and Dana Beggs, uh, Regional Directors in Africa. Um, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and we got a couple of stories to tell you, Dana. Oh, we sure do. We have such wonderful, wonderful memories of Christmas in Africa. We always had a big, wonderful tree that we decorated, but what, we, what some of our traditions were as we went into the holidays were we did not wrap gifts and keep them under the tree for the whole season. We had pastors in our home every year and you know, their traditions were not necessarily exchanging gifts, but it was going to church on Christmas day or just exchanging a card. So instead of putting our gifts under our tree for the whole season, we waited until Christmas Eve. And then we would wrap the, the gifts, put them under the tree and the next day with our family or friends, whoever was coming, we would open the gifts then. Greg and I also just had a tradition of kind of, as we got into the middle of December, we would look at each other and we would say, do you have a gift? And he might, we might say yes or no. And so sometimes we didn't have gifts at Christmas and we would wait until we found something at another time in the year that we knew each other wanted. And I'll never forget one year, it was along about March. And the Christmas before we, Greg and I had not exchanged gifts. So, in March, Greg had to make a trip to Springfield, Missouri. He's in Springfield and my phone rings in Nairobi. When I answer it, Greg says, Dana, I am in Bass Pro. And guess what you just bought me for Christmas? <laughs> the best pair of binoculars we've ever had and we loved it. We just rolled with it and we had fun. Our first year in Dar es Salaam, we went to church all day for Christmas. Dar es Salaam was on the coast and it was well over 100 degrees and that church was packed and the sweat was pouring. But they were going to reenact the nativity scene. The back door opens and in comes these men that are covered in all these animal skins. They're like shepherds. They come to the front of the church. After them, this, the door opens again and in comes this lady in this massive white wedding dress. And she's supposed to be the angel. Not only did she have the wedding dress on, she was totally encircled in streams of white Christmas lights. Thank the Lord the electricity was not working and the lights could not come on. Or she, <laughs> we might have all gone up in flames, I don't know. But as she came down the aisle on the back row of the church, suddenly a two by four shot up in the air, straight up and down, and nailed on that two by four were the most hideous little hard plastic baby dolls that I've ever seen, like with the matted hair and some of them didn't have clothes and their eyes were good. They were somehow a great host of witnesses that were back there on the back bench. But such fun and wonderful memories we have. Yeah, Our yeah. first year as area director in Nairobi, we went to have Christmas way up in the middle of the desert in the bush with Karen Hansen's family. And 
Now her mom and dad had lived up there for years and I'm talking bush, I'm talking no electricity. I'm talking they lived in a little one room house. They're, they had a refrigerator that ran off of gas and their living room furniture was uh, was uh, yard chairs like, um, yeah. And every camping, camping chairs. Yeah. And every night when it got dark, we would take the camping chairs out into the yard and we would sit and look up at the stars and we would tell stories. And on Christmas Eve, we had um, brought some fireworks. We had bottle rockets and things like that. So we started letting the kids shoot off these bottle rockets and we had been enjoying this and looking up at the stars and talking about Christmas. And all of a sudden, a guy from the next village over showed up in the yard. And he said, we, we need to know what's going on. Why are these, why are you shooting off guns and stuff? And we said, well, we're not. And he said, well, we were trying to celebrate and get ready for Christmas. And he said, all the mamas have taken all the children and they've run to hide in the bush because we hear all these fireworks going on. So we disrupted all the celebration of the whole village. And we said, no, 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 that's nothing like this. But we have wonderful, wonderful memories of Christmas. It was always hot. There was never a white Christmas, uh, but there was always a smoked turkey and or a smoked chicken, something on the smoker and you or wake a, up. And, or a goat. Or a goat. a goat, yes, we always had a goat. And uh, it was always a time when we all celebrated the birth of Jesus. Yeah. And the blessings that he brings to our lives and the yeah. privilege of being a follower of him, following his call and living in Africa. Yeah, and, and, and Jesus is so wonderful, isn't he? It's just such a privilege to be able to know our Lord and Savior and to be able to celebrate his birth and 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 to be able to do it with such wonderful people like all of you missionaries scattered around the world and, and they're in Africa, those hot little churches celebrating Jesus. That is such a wonderful thing and we are so privileged to be called to proclaim that his kingdom will reign forever and ever. And it will be a wonderful, peaceful kingdom. And we just look forward to that day. Um, Aaron, I'm gonna pray for all these wonderful missionaries and I'm gonna turn it back to you, okay? Sounds great. Lord, we are so grateful for your coming to this earth, coming as a little baby, and so we celebrate. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate you and all that it means and that your kingdom has come, Lord. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the gospel, Lord. We're thankful that you've called us to proclaim this wonderful good news to a world that really desperately needs to know that there is a better way. God, I pray that you would anoint that you would protect, that you would surround all of these wonderful missionaries. I pray, Lord, that this Christmas season would be a special time for them. I pray that you would turn their eyes towards you and let them see the Christ of Christmas and all that that means for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I trust that you enjoyed our time with the leadership and their stories of, of Christmas. We know this Christmas time is a, a different one than probably many of us have ever experienced, but I do hope that, that their stories provided um, 
insight and encouragement and joy and hope in this season we're in. I do want to thank Adam Fogelman, who was the one that made this uh, podcast episode sound beautiful, and he helped me with the music and produce it. I just really want to appreciate Adam and thank him uh, for all his help. And uh, he's the one that gave me tips on how to get this podcast to sound better and really appreciate him. Looking forward to the new year is uh, we'll sit down and the last episode of 2020 will be with Terry Walling as we talk about transitions and transitioning into 2021. Uh, do want to give my Christmas greetings to you and uh, that this this year uh, Christmas season will be filled of joy and hope and the blessing of Jesus Christ. And thank you for listening to the podcast and looking forward to a 2021 with a continued uh, focus on how we can grow in life and mission. And uh Merry Christmas.